This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Thanks for joining me again. This is the second recording of this new year following the chat that I had with Sam Goldsworthy from It's Coming Home TV. Hope you enjoyed that one. It is still available to listen to on your chosen podcast platform. Sadly though, since then, We've had the sad news that former England international Colin Bell passed away on the 5th of January following a short illness. Colin played 48 times for England between 1968 and 1975, scoring nine times. He will forever be associated with Manchester City, for whom he played 501 times for. But he did actually start out at Bury. At City... He was known as both the King and Nijinsky, the racehorse, because he was so athletic. With regards to England, he made his debut at home to Sweden in a 3-1 friendly victory. And his first goal of nine came away to Brazil in 1969, where he put us 1-0 up before two late goals from Tostal and Jorginho won it for Brazil in the Maracanã. Up Peters. We've got three men in the middle. And a great chance of goal scored by Bell. He scored it. A dreadful mistake by that Brazilian defence. And Bell has scored for England. He was captain just the once in a 1-0 defeat to Northern Ireland in 1972. And he was part of the England team that went to both the 1968 European Championships, where England finished third... And he also went to the 1970 World Cup Finals in Mexico, where he was substituted on by Alf Ramsey for Bobby Charlton, whilst England were 2-1 up against West Germany. And it was later deemed to be a mistake by Ramsey that would cost England the game and retaining the trophy. Colin was 74, and we send our condolences to his family and friends. England. England, the three Lions. They are 15 goals away from their 300 in a FIFA World Cup qualifying matches. Same constraint as I mentioned before, England will go to Group I. Following on from the World Cup qualifying draw from December last year, we now know the fixtures for those games to take place this year. We are still none the wiser as to whether we'll be allowed to attend, even in a limited capacity. Now, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, I'm sure you're aware that in the run-up to these games, I'll try and speak with opposition fans about these games. Now, in fact, I've already spoken to some already about their thoughts about drawing England. I needn't tell you the trouble I had trying to track down someone from Andorra and San Marino, but like a dog with a bone, I didn't give up. But let's start with Poland. 
Poland. And Poland on his way to the 2018 finals. Robert Lewandowski, 16 goals, broke the record for a FIFA World Cup European qualifying campaign. This time he will have to face three Lions, England in Group I. So first out, the pops to be drawn in England's group were Poland. And my first guest is Christopher Lash, author of the website rightbankwarsaw.com. Christopher, hello there. Hi there, man. Hello. You all right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, COVID, but yeah, everything's okay. <laughs> in general, yeah. That's the main thing, as long as you're okay. You're over in Poland and Right Bank Warsaw is your website. Go on, just give us a uh, give us the background behind that. Yeah, I mean, I was, I'm living over here. I've been living here since 2011. And uh, I was here in the build up to the Euro 2012 when Poland hosted with Ukraine. And I just set up a, a, a blog and uh, it's sort of, uh, I'm not writing that much on it anymore, but uh, but it but it really it, it got you know for a long time I was putting a lot a, a huge amount of, of effort into it and uh, it sort of deals with just just things around the Polish game. It talks about you know club football, you know Polish teams in European football, which isn't hasn't been very good. About the national team a bit, just you know it just sort of gone in different directions. And then I've been you know had a piece in the Blizzard and I've been on Football yeah. Weekly and you know it's it sort of goes in random directions basically. Yeah, so I mean. England against Poland, it's, it's it's kind of not a new thing, really, is it? Played 19, won 11, drawn 7, just lost the 1. Uh, and I mentioned, mentioned on a previous podcast, in the past 12 times we've met in World Cup qualifiers, what was the Polish reaction to it? I mean, uh, it's sort of a weird one, really. I don't know if it's really excitement. Sort of is a little bit. You know, they've played so, 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 so much. I mean, it's ridiculous how many times... Also in quali- in qualifiers, I mean, not that many friendlies, but just tons and tons and tons of qualifying European qualifying groups and yeah. also World Cup qualifying groups. And you know, Poles love the Premier League like so many people around the world, even though it has its flaws. And so, I mean, they're very very familiar with English football. It's definitely not exotic, <laughs> yeah, for, for for Poles. But you know, it's I mean, you know, a lot of good young players. In, in England and I think you know people as because people know so much about it it's always you know kind of a little bit special to play against England uh, even if uh, England haven't really been that amazingly successful in the last you know 50 years yeah I mean did we hear in any sort of feelings from from Polish people saying you know actually we, we could win this group can we can beat England I don't I mean I think the Polish national team I mean the the the, the coach currently the, the manager I'm not I'll say the name but you probably won't even be able to the Zhenshak is very complicated, but as as is most Polish pronunciation. But uh, he's the um, uncle of uh, Kuba, the um, player who played for Dortmund, and Wasikowski, who's you know him and Lewandowski were playing at Dortmund for a long time. Right. Uh, so he's he's the uncle of Kuba, okay. and he's not very people don't like him very much. So I don't think there's not there's not much positivity. I mean, it's a bit of positivity, but the players are good, but they don't people don't really respect the, man, the manager very much and. I mean, I think that there are there is this, are discussions. I don't think it's going to happen of maybe a change of manager before the 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 Euros in 2021. If that happens, I think people would be more positive about it. But I mean, I think that people realise that they're you know second favourites in a group easily. So. Okay, I mean that the first game between the two will be back end of March, Wednesday the 31st of March. Will be at Wembley. Well, I'm assuming it will be at Wembley, and the away leg 8th of September. So plenty of time for that one will be the away game. The last time we played away in in Poland was the game that I went to. Well, or 
partially went to because I went I went to it went into the ground before it was called off. This is the uh, the infamous rained off game um, that was then played the next day, which was the uh, of course because they didn't close the roof. But yeah, it was it was one all the next day. There was talk over here that obviously the the big stadium is in Warsaw, but there's a new ground in in Celesa Chorzow that we we just mentioned off air. Yeah, it's a it's a um, that's it's a famous old ground. Well, they, they actually renovated it, but it, it was the ground that England lost to the first. The only time England ever lost to Poland was in the seventy three when um, Bobby Moore messed up and uh, and uh, Lubanski basically uh, chased after him and they won two 0 Poland. Um, so yeah, but then they 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 they've, they've, they've redone the stadium. There's a, and Poland's got very good stadiums. I mean, you know, because of the. The Euros, so um, there's f- three or four stadiums where it could be played in, but it probably will be in the national stadium. I mean, by September, you, you know, we're hoping that most people will be vaccinated. And then, yeah. You know, there might even be, I don't know, 50% attendance or something like that. Uh, but, you know, there's so many things that are not uh, sure in this uh, weird time that we're living in. So Yeah. Uh, I mean, should England fans be allowed to, to come over for it and be allowed into the grounds? What's there to to look for in, say, Warsaw or in Poland in general? Food, drink. What what would you recommend? Well, I think I think Warsaw is a lot. I mean, maybe not more. I don't want to, you know, I don't think that many people from the region that, that you were talking about before are going to be listening to the podcast. But uh, Warsaw is 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 a, is, a, is a pretty you know modern European city now nowadays. It's not you know you know it's not like uh, you know these kind of. What do you call it? You know the the, uh, the stereotypes about you know Eastern Europe. It's yep. at all. I mean, you went here in 2012, and you know a lot of people travelled around Poland as well during the Euros, and so it's a, it's doing very well in lots of respects. So I mean, you know, there's loads of nice restaurants, and obviously none of these places are open now because <laughs> because of COVID. You know, just, yeah. but um, but it's 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 a it's a great city. Hopefully, some of those restaurants won't have gone bust. Uh, during the, this whole thing, but I mean, it really is. It it, it was until COVID a, a flourishing city. So, see what happens. But you know, there's lots of places. I mean, there's a really nice park just next to the national stadium, which is a beautiful park, which you can you know have a walk around in. Some cafes there and stuff. So, a uh, really nice street just just near the national stadium with restaurants and stuff. So, it, you know, it. it I mean, the, the, the big the big difference is that it doesn't really have that same kind of pub culture as Britain. But then you know, not many places do. Maybe Germany does but no one else does so uh you know you can find bars but it's mostly yeah it's not really pubs it's more you know there is like an english pub in the center of town and stuff which a lot of people go to but when they come over but you know it's not like it's just not britain in the way that you know you have these pubs and stuff so yeah yeah but uh yeah i mean there's some really good bars in, in warsaw and it's, go it's a good place to so, go out in. so what what is beer of choice in poland Oh, there's a lot. I mean, you know, a lot of craft beers. It's become quite trendy to, you know, have lots of these kind of, you know, microbreweries and craft beers and stuff. So I can't really, you know, say one, but uh, there's some really nice craft beer places in the center, and uh, you know, you, you know, you get like forty or fifty beers to choose from. Uh, so I think that, uh, yeah, English fans coming over will have a will have will have a good time if the, if you know if everything is, you know, Everything's relatively great. normal by September. You know. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. Um... Christopher, thank you very much for, for introducing yourself to us. Um, rightbankwarsaw.com is the website. Are you on you on social media side of things? Yeah, just just at Rightbank Warsaw. So you can find me there. Lovely. Oh, let's hope we can uh, yeah, we can catch up before the, the first game in March. Would be good to catch up then. You can give us the lowdown on the Polish side. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No problems. Yeah. 
Hungary. And Hungary, they have failed to score in only two of the last 14 home qualifying matches, and both times it was against Portugal. This time, they will be facing England and Poland in Group I. Okay, next to be drawn out and placed into Group I, uh, were Hungary. And I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Thomas Mortimer from the HungarianFootball.com website. Thomas, hello there. Hi, how are you going? Not too bad, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, no problem at all. So you are one of three hosts, I believe, of the HungarianFootball.com website. Yeah, so we... um... Site's been going for about 10 years now, and we've been running a podcast for about, yeah, just after your 2016, I think, interviewing players, managers, speaking pretty much on a bi-weekly basis about Hungarian football. Okay, and, and yourself, how does Hungarian come into, uh, into your life? Because you, you've got a nice English accent there. <laughs> yeah, Nottingham accent, that is. So my uh, grandparents came over from Hungary to England in the, in the Hungarian Revolution, And um, my granddad, when I was growing up, spent a lot of time with him. So he immersed me into the world of Hungarian football. My dad, who was English, uh, is kind of football mad. And so is my granddad on my other side. So I kind of had this split loyalty, really, where my granddad would just tell me about the mighty Magyar team. And yeah, he he basically bewitched me (laughs) to to kind of follow this... um, yeah, to, to have this weird passion, I guess. What is a, a Magyar? So a Magyar is um, is based. It's just a Hungarian. Uh, that's literally the the direct translation. And so the mighty Magyars, for example, uh, from the fifties, would be just basically the mighty Hungarians. Uh, but Magyar culture goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. So it's kind of something that's just been passed down and down the generations, really. See, okay. When you mentioned the the mighty team there back in the the fifties, it was a bit of a uh, an eye opener for for the England team and and the England supporters and basically English football in general. Um, really, wasn't it? It was Henrik Puskas um, who uh, and his and his cohorts came over and basically destroyed England back then, didn't they? Yeah. So when this draw was made, literally all any Hungarian could think of was was. Can we have a repeat of that again, please? <laughs> I mean, my, my fear that it might be the other way around. And I think Hungary actually inflicted England's worst ever defeat on them. They and did, I'm yeah. Bit, I'm a bit scared that maybe England might want to retaliate during this qualification <laughs> period. But well, Hungary are better, okay now, so maybe that won't happen. But yes, the, um, that team of, of the 50s was incredible. Um, there's been so much literature written about it many books uh, and Jonathan Wilson actually brought out a book just last year which wasn't even talking about the Mighty Mogyar team it was it was about the time before that and how how that legend was created it, it is such a a story a well-told story really and yeah it did have a had a, have a huge impact on on England's philosophy as, as a footballing nation and maybe um, a lot of people credit that moment when um, well, there's two moments when Hungary beat England six three at Wembley, and then the the seven one the next year. People actually credit that with um, the the moment that English football changed and went on to win the World Cup twelve years later. Whether that's true or not, uh, I'm not sure, but it had a huge impact on English football. Yeah, and and it all sadly came to an end though with the the Hungarian Revolution in was it fifty six? Yeah, the F four mentioned 
when my grandparents came over, um, that was during the revolution. It had a, a huge impact on Hungarian society. 11 years before that, Hungary was decimated in, in World War II when the Soviets came in to, to basically save Hungary from Nazi occupation. Mm. But they kind of were brought from, like, freed from one jailer and then jailed by the the, the next occupation. And 11 years went on and, and nothing was getting better. Hungarian society was being stifled. And then, yeah, this outburst came uh, in, in the form of a revolution and it was quickly crushed. Uh, well, not quickly. It took, it took weeks. But um, when it came, uh, Stalin put his foot down and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't nice at all. And Hungarians fled in their hundreds and thousands across the globe. And, and a lot of that team um, were part of that fleeing as well. Ferenc Puskas went to Real Madrid um, to get away from the country. And, and, and a lot of players did similar. Sandor Kocic, who um, is not as well known as Puskas, but if you look at his goal scoring record on Wikipedia, it's absolutely phenomenal. He's, he actually scored more goals for Hungary than he played games. And it was something like 60 and 50 or something. Absolutely wow. crazy. His, and his record at Barcelona wasn't bad either. So, yeah, the team just were decimated by this and um, and never truly recovered. They weren't bad, again, in the 60s and 70s. Um, but after that, yeah, it, it just went to, to a horror show. Yeah. I mean, people may not realise that Hungary were actually World Cup finalists back in 54. But sadly, though, not... Well, the uh, the team hasn't qualified for the World Cup since 1986. So, uh, uh, but hoping for a, for a better performance this year. What's what's the general feeling um, in Hungary that that you're aware of? Yeah, so the the draw itself couldn't have been any more exciting. Really, to to, to play England is really really cool because England and Hungary haven't met in a competitive game in I think 40 years. Wow, it was a it was a qualification. A period I think in the 70s for the Euros we've met in a few friendlies since yeah. then but that's about it so it's really exciting to play England again in that and English football culture is absolutely huge in Hungary as well then also we have Poland who we see as our cousins really um, it's, it's really weird we have this really strong vibe with the Polish okay. um, you might see it on social media and stuff um, after the draw like if you went looking for it you'd see it mm. The two cultures are very similar and the, and the people just love each other. And if you go to a Hungary game wherever around the world with fans, you, you'll hear Polska, Polska chanted. And if you go to a Poland game in uh, around the world, you'll hear Ria, Ria, Hungaria. So that game is going to be really special. Yeah. Um, but we're going to be obviously vying for that, vying for second place with them. Like England are going to run away with the group, I'm sure. I, th- I don't think Albania are that great. Obviously, San Marino and Andorra are going to be the whipping boys, unfortunately. Yeah. And yeah, I think we're just going to be vying with them for second place. So it's going to be really interesting in, in terms of that. But it's excitement, really, like to to have our cousins there in the group, to have England there in the group, and then to have three other winnable ties. I think that's, I couldn't have asked for more, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fixtures are, well, they're, they're a fair distance away. Uh, 2nd of September will be the away leg. 12th of October will be the home one. For England fans looking to come to to Hungary, and I'm assuming it's going to be Budapest in the in the new stadium over there, and, and obviously we're we're keeping our fingers crossed, COVID or related. What can England supporters expect in Budapest and Hungary? 
you're going to a great city, honestly. When this draw was made, so many of my England mates were just like, oh, yeah, let's go, come on. And and I think it's going to be just packed with English people. Those who know about how amazing Budapest is will want to go, and those who probably don't will still want to go because it's it's cheap. It's cheap to get to. The beer's cheap, the food's cheap, the accommodation's cheap. It has everything. It has culture. It has the sights, beautiful visuals. In terms of architecture, it, ha- it has a real mix of you have like because Hungary was under the um, Austrian Empire, Austro-Hungarian Empire at one point, has kind of a Habsburg look about it at times. It's Soviet look. It's it's a real mix of architect- architectural culture. But then on on the other side, if you if you you're not really going for the culture, and a lot of English fans will be going for a big drink up, I guess yeah. you have a lot of that laddish side, that that party side as well. Like the ruin bars, definitely go to if you go in. They're amazing. Uh, Simplicate, for example, is is somewhere you have to go on a night out, and then Instant as well, which is around the corner. Um, it's it's like an absolute maze when you get in there, but. Anyone who who likes uh, likes a drink and a party, I would definitely recommend to go there. But I mean, you've also gone at a good time because I think it's early September that you play you play in Budapest, so it's going to be nice and warm. Um, honestly, it is it is an amazing away trip, in my opinion. Well, looking forward to it already. Um, and gone just to to round it up. Tell us a little bit about all the the social media side things of of HungarianFootball.com. Where can we find it? See it? Hear it? Yeah. So you can follow me, my personal account at Thomas Mortimer, which is Thomas with a Z at the end without the H. You can follow our podcast. Uh, if you just search Google for Hungarian Football Podcast, you'll be able to find that. We have HungarianFootball.com. Uh, and on Twitter, you can follow our podcast on Magyar Fotsi Live. Tom, thank you very much for your time. And yeah, hopefully let's catch up later in the year. Yeah, sounds good. Albania. Albania in the last qualification campaign, they finished third in their group behind Spain and Italy. Two very difficult teams, obviously. They are joining now England, Poland and Hungary in Group I. Let's go to let's go to New York of all places and speak with Elton Kohia uh, because he is a uh, is an Albanian fan living in New York in America. Elton, hello there. Hey Russell, thanks for having me on the show. No, you're very welcome. Welcome along. Albania against England. How did you feel when that came out? Well, it's pretty exciting in the sense that I will get to travel to England in November of next year. Uh, looking forward to that away trip for sure. It's one of the few away trips that I really look forward to, along with probably Germany, Italy, and maybe Spain. I'd have to say we're not very happy with the draw because I don't think most Albanian fans believe we do stand a chance against England. Although it, I feel like we might have a bit of a chance against Poland and Hungary. I think it'll depend on what uh, each team players or like their round of injuries is going to be like by, by, by the time we play there, uh, play them like next uh, next year. So you're eyeing up that playoff spot. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I think like most uh, most most fans would have would have liked a different draw. I mean, hopefully like one of the easier uh, groups. But um, I think I think we do have a chance if we have a full strength team and you know Lewandowski does not play for Poland. Maybe we'll. 
we'll have a chance against them too. <laughs> I think everyone will be hoping that Lewandowski's not playing in their games. I mean, no one wants to see an injury, but you know, an injury for a, a broken leg or something would keep him out for a little while. Yeah, no, definitely don't, do not wish any injuries upon him. I, I, I really like him as a player. No, and I'd like to see him play against us, just not score. Yeah. <laughs> We've met only four times in the past. Do you remember any of those? Uh, so, yes, I do remember actually the very first time we met. Unfortunately, I was very young to be in the stadium, but I do remember very vividly the away game at Wembley because it was such a big deal back then. Albania had never played England before. Mm. For some, somehow, we always got drawn into Germany groups, and we played Germany, I don't know, maybe I'd say a little over a dozen times over the really? years. But we had never played England before. Uh, obviously, we were a communist uh, country back then. The regime was not happy that we were drawn with England at the time, because we were sort of political, you know, on the ideological uh, spectrum, we were on the opposite sides. But I think the fans were pretty excited for our team to play at Wembley. It was the game was very notable because one of our players made uh, the goalie that de- uh, debuted in that game at Wembley for our national team, and he was only 17 years old. Really? Uh, so I think yeah, it was a, it was Peter Shilton on one side who was I think approaching 40, <laughs> and then Blendin Albani who was a goalie. Uh, he had just turned 17 a month earlier before he debuted on that game. We got we got thrashed five five zero. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think we stood a chance against that England team, which I think went on to did they get defeated in like the semis at the World Cup, uh, like on penalties or something in like 1990. That, yes, in 1998 in, in, yeah. in Italy. So I think like that was probably one of the best England teams that I remember uh, watching uh, play. So yeah, it was it was pretty exciting. It was pretty exciting. I do not remember very well the second time that we we met in two thousand and one because I was, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I was living in the states and we didn't have much of a chance to catch games on TV. Yeah. So yeah, I did I didn't watch any of those games other than you know I followed you know I watched the, the I went to the away game in Germany but I did not watch those two games. Yeah. Well, here's here's a thing that sometimes crops up uh, here in England when Albania's name comes up. Norman Wisdom. <laughs> what what's the deal with Norman Wisdom? Because I know he he was seen at uh, it was either the first or the second game in Albania, but he he was applauded by the Albanian fans. What's the deal? So the deal with Norman Wisdom is that at the time, uh, going back into the eighties, his movies were very popular with Albanians because those are some of the few movies we could watch, uh, Western movies. Like I said, you know, we're a communist country. Uh, the, com- the, the communist regime did crack down on a lot of Western propaganda, and the, that included, you know, movies as well. They would allow us to watch mostly Italian and French movies, but not a lot of English movies. And Norman Winsor's movies were some of the few movies that they allowed us to watch, and his comedies were very funny. I mean, a, a lot of kids that grew up, uh, you know, around my age, they still remember his his character, which was called Pitkin, I believe. Right. So in Albania, it's Pitkini, basically. Right. Uh, so that's how he was known. And yes, I do remember reading the actually reading uh, newspaper articles about him going to Albania. I think on that uh, away game, and that, that was like a standing ovation in the stadium, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is actually uh, very funny that you mentioned. <laughs> I've totally forgotten about it. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, obviously coronavirus permitting, there'll be England fans looking to go to Tirana. And I know, like we've spoken previously off off recording, that you, you're obviously in, in the States at the moment, but you've been back a few times um, to Tirana. What, what can England fans expect when they go to Tirana? What will they see and, and what will it be like? Any recommendations? Well, the, 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 there will definitely be in a new stadium, which was, uh, I think, inaugurated last year. Uh, the opening ga- and the opening game we played France. Unfortunately, we lost. Uh, but there was a pretty like the atmosphere. I feel will be pretty lively. It's a very small stadium. I think a twenty-five thousand seater. It's kind of like the Southampton Stadium that we discussed earlier. Yep. Uh, it's pretty intimate. It's right in the center of the city, not too far away from the block, which is I think the the more posh part of Tirana. That's where all the clubs are. Uh-huh. Uh, drinking spots uh, they'll find a lot of other I mean foreigners uh, around that area it's a pretty hospitable environment I would say uh, Albanians love when you know foreigners visit the country they're very hospitable uh, there's a there's general like very positive predisposition towards foreigners because we're you know we were isolated for about 45 years yeah. under uh, Enver Hoxha's communist regime and then once we open up people always like thirst for you know for others be appreciated i guess uh, by others so anytime a foreigner visits the country uh, one thing they always mention is the hospitality of the locals uh, and then the food is great uh, it's a local i mean i guess a mix of mediterranean and uh, eastern cuisine so a mix of like think of like italian greek and turkish cuisine lots of meat lots of grilled meat and the coffee um, i mentioned earlier the coffee culture is great in the country Albania is probably one of the few spots in the world where I think the coffee is better than Italy. <laughs> Although you know, most Italians wanted wanted me into that, but I think it has to do with the water as well. I, the, the the local water is great. It's Albania is a very mountainous region, so we get a lot of water, and the water is phenomenal. Unlike most most other countries, I think that's one of the main ingredients of coffee, and that's why the coffee is so great. Good one. Yeah, hopefully we can uh, we can catch up a couple of times throughout the year and and see how how the uh, the, the qualifying is going and, and maybe you can give us a lowdown of of what the uh, the team is going to be like nearer the time. Absolutely, would love to and looking forward to. Elton, thank you very much for your time. Always been a real pleasure, Russell. Andorra, Andorra, they kept a consecutive clean sheet for the first time in a FIFA World Cup qualifying competition when they shut out Faroe Islands and Hungary during the qualifiers for Russia 2018. They joined England, Poland, Hungary and Albania in Group I. Now, the fourth nation to be drawn was the Principality of Andorra, high up in the Pyrenees, with France to the north and Spain to the south. And I'm pleased to be joined by Vincent Palarez, sports correspondent from El Periodic d'Andorra a daily Andorra news publication. Vincent, hello. Hello, how are you? Oh, very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine, thank you. Did I get the, the name of the newspaper correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? It's Good. called El Periódico Andorra. Yeah, it's perfect. Good stuff. So, England against Andorra again. What was your reaction to that in the, the World Cup draw? Yeah, people in Andorra uh, are very happy because they will play against San Marino, which is a game to, to get points. And they will play against uh, England, 
which is a team uh, full of stars of Premier League, and Poland, where is uh, Robert Lewandowski. And they are very happy because for them is an opportunity because they are amateur players. And this is like a dream for them to play against uh, Premier League stars. England against Andorra has only happened four times. Um, I think it was the last time was 2008-2009 when we, we last met. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember because uh, I'm Spanish. I'm not Andorran. And I didn't work in, in Andorra in, in that year. But uh, I am learning about um, Andorran football and they are um, growing and evolutioning year to year. Okay. Because uh, their league was created in 1995. Right. And there are uh, more players now and they are more specialized and uh, they are uh, seeing continually um, French and Spanish football and they are learning a lot. It's professionalizing now. I so, see. Yeah. So Andorran football is, is getting better, you would say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's getting better, yeah. I, I would like to mention um, the last game between under-21 teams, the last two games, because uh, one of them was a draw, 3-3 in Andorra, and, and the other, I think, was uh, 3-1. And England suffered a lot to, to win uh, that game. And there are five guys of the under-21 team who finished uh, their time uh, with the team and, and will be with the absolute team against England. Uh, one of them could be um, Cucu Fernández, who is the, the best scorer in the third division in Spain. He plays for, for Mentera, which is an, an island next to Mallorca and Ibiza. Okay, yes. And, and he's the best scorer. Um, he has scored five goals in the first uh, game of the league. Five goals. It's too hard uh, to achieve it. And he has scored two goals against England. And, okay, uh, they are not professional, but they are good players. I, I remember when the the 3-3 game was played it was a was a surprise and people were yeah, yeah, yeah. a big surprise a big surprise even even for for the footballers <laughs> <laughs> they, they could they couldn't believe it but let, let me just I'll, I'll give you a, a small education that the last time England met Andorra was 2007 <laughs> and 2008 where England won only three nil and two nil so not big scores no 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 because uh Andorra uh, usually get a clean sheet right. in the in the games, yeah, because they are all the game defending. Mm. Uh, they don't like play with the ball because uh, this is its methodology, right? Its methodology, and yeah, and and they they are growing up uh, with with this kind of football without the ball, yeah. Uh, do you know the Pep Guardiola style? Yes. Okay, this is the opposite. <laughs> right. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> I see. Because they know they, um, they are uh, not good enough for the rest of, uh, of the teams and they cannot compete uh, face-to-face. 
they, they are very glad if the, the result is uh, 3-0 for England and it's okay for them because uh, they are growing up. Uh, they, they are not seeing just the result, but yes, the evolution. Yes. So you see the game against San Marino as being the game where you can put all these methodology ideas into playing a game and getting a result, possibly Albania too? Yes, yes. Uh, I think uh, the the game against San Marino is like a Tottenham Arsenal, <laughs> like, like a derby. <laughs> and they they are very glad to be in the same group of uh, San Marino because they can get points. Yeah. Um, it's the first time in the history Andorra is not in the in the last uh, pot. In the last, yeah, in the last pot. And and for them is is an opportunity to to get points and and to to evolutioning in in the in the ranking FIFA. Okay, I see. Also, the last time England played Andorra, the game was played in Barcelona in Espanyol's the Olympic Stadium. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe Andorra now have a a new stadium. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. They have the, the national stadium called Estadi Nacional in Catalan. Uh, the national team plays there and also uh, some games in the league because um, there uh, the teams uh, have not a, a known stadium. There are two or three stadiums in the in the country and they play in, in all of them stadiums. Right. No, not a, as a local or, or away home or away, a national team plays in the, in so, the national team. Yeah. So will, is it likely England will play in the Estadi Nacional or could it be played in Barcelona again? No, 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 no. They, they play uh, all the games in Andorra and I think uh, now with the coronavirus it's more difficult to go to, to Spain and for the players, for the people, if it's possible to to go to the stadium because we don't know, but no, no, I'm sure uh, they will play in Andorra. Okay. Uh, well, well, that's that's good because I mean the the games away to Andorra is later on in the year in in October, uh, 2021. Should supporters be allowed to go? What could they see? What would you recommend in Andorra? Okay, they will enjoy of the mountains because. Uh, the country is um, among the mountains. Okay, they, they can go shopping. They they can enjoy the mountains. Uh, they can go to to the swimming pool. I don't know. It's it's a very nice country. And England fans like to have a beer. What beer in Andorra is there? there there's an Andorran beer. <laughs> yeah, Andorra uh, called uh, Boris. But uh, Andorran people usually uh, drink uh, Spanish uh, beers. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and there's no, am I right in saying, no airport, no train station? No. Um, they go to the, to the Barcelona airport. It's three hours away. And, yeah, it's a, it's a handicap. Um, they have uh, in Football Club Andorra, uh, which competes in Spain. and. And it's a handicap because they go to Barcelona and 
then they have three hours more. Yes, lots of travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very it's very hard for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. I'm very excited to to come to Andorra if if we're allowed to. And it would be great to to speak to you near the time when England play Andorra. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thank you. San Marino. And San Marino, they they pick up the historic first ever point in a FIFA World Cup qualifying, courtesy of a nil-nil draw against Turkey in 1993. They will be placed in Group I. Now, last to be drawn were San Marino. Uh, and once the fixtures were made, they turned into to kind of bookends as we start off by playing them at home on the 25th of March. Then our last fixture is away to them on Monday, the 15th of November. And I'm really pleased to say that I've been joined by Andrea Zoppis, who is the supporter liaison officer for the San Marino FA. Andre, hello there. Hello, Russell. Hello, everyone. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, to this uh, podcast. No, you're, you're very welcome. Supporters Liaison Officer, what, what's that? Uh, Supporters Liaison Officer is a point of contact between our supporters and uh, the NDFA of San Marino. And oh. we work for uh, um, permit to all supporters to enjoy our match, to create activities for our supporters, like uh, fun matches or like other, um, other events outside uh, the, uh, the match days. And also uh, for uh, involve uh, uh, because I'm also the DAO, the Disability Access Officer, and also to involve uh, the supporter with any kind of disability in our stadium. Okay, okay. So obviously, San Marino were drawn against England and, and various other countries in the World Cup qualifying. What was the feeling of of supporters, San Marino supporters, when England were drawn out? Uh, they were really happy. We had uh, a chat with them. I can say that uh, San Marino against England in 2015 was my first match in San Marino because okay. I, I was uh, hired in the 2015 and I remember the 6-0 of uh, England with the record uh, of uh, uh, Wayne Rooney yeah. in, uh, in number of goals for the national team. It was uh, was very um, a joyful day. for uh, well, I was very happy to see so many supporters from England and also from San Marino. The full stadium is uh, is not always like there in, uh, in San Marino. Yeah, I mean the the stadium is the Stadio Olimpico di Serravalle, which um, yes, it's a running track ground, isn't it? For those that haven't been before. Yeah, the real name is um, San Marino Stadium. Oh, okay. Okay, we have four thousand and seven hundred places in the stadium. And uh, we hope that, of course, that in November could be full of yeah. people. And sometimes we also use, uh, before to have the San Marino Stadium available, we played also in Italy against England and uh, against the big na- big countries. And, yeah. Uh, but well, yeah, I mean, that, that game in Italy was quite famous in 1993 yeah. <laughs> uh, because obviously seven seconds it just took. Um, was it? David Galtieri, I believe, yeah, who scored. David Galtieri, yes. Yeah, that, that's obviously a highlight for, for San Marino football, isn't it? Of course, yes. For many years, it was the highest point <laughs> of our national <laughs> team. So do you think you can score again? We hope, yes. Mm. Yes, we we didn't score in the last National Leagues, but we 
which two draws that for us uh, is a great result. We never uh, had uh, two more than one positive result in uh, in a group, and uh, we hope that yeah. Well, I mean, with Andorra in the group as well, does that was that a positive thing for for San Marino? Do you think you can take points there? What's the feeling? Yeah, of course, we have to be honest that uh, Andorra uh, is quite similar to us for a dimension of the country. And uh, probably we have more possibilities to uh, obtain a, a good result against Andorra than uh, other biggest country. But uh, Andorra in the last years uh, have a great, great uh, growth. And they grow a lot. They obtain, uh, I think, uh, the best result of uh, this history. And so it could be very, very difficult to to have them uh, and to obtain a result, a good positive result also with Andorra. Yeah. We well, hope that. Of course. Well, I went to, to San Marino, I think it was 2013 for the game. I think it was the 8-0 I went to. Um, obviously, I went into to Italy and I got a bus from Rimini, which I think is probably the main point for, for England fans. Fingers crossed that we'll be able to attend. Is that the way many people come? Yeah, yeah. Um, as a SLO, I'm also the point of contact for the SLO of England. And uh, to usually uh, we give all the information, all logistic information uh, two months before the match to the opposite SLO. Right. To, Permit to all supporters from the England in this case to reach in some to reach San Marino with uh, no problems, and the best way is probably to uh, fly to Bologna or to Rimini is if there is the flight. Yep. If you fly and uh, both from Bologna and from Rimini, there there are a bus or shuttle uh, to San Marino. Yeah, and I think this. Uh, because we don't have train from uh, from San Marino, in San Marino we don't have train, no. so the the best solution is buses or, or shuttle. Yeah, but once you're there, it is a really nice place because I remember uh, being up in the main the main town of, of San Marino, right at the top. Is is there a castle around there? I believe. Yeah, yeah, um, the historical center in the top of the mountain. That's right, and I remember having a beer and a pizza. <laughs> up the top there. Fortunately, the sun was shining and you just get wonderful views all around, don't you, of the mountains? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the landscape is very is very beautiful in San Marino. I'm Italian. I reached San Marino five years ago, so I know this feeling of uh, seeing for the first time uh, the, the landscape from the top of San Marino. Yeah. And uh, yes, uh, we hope that in November the, the weather could be good because... Uh, is not uh, always like that. Uh, well, well, let's hope so. Let's let's hope the weather's good. Let's hope the football's good. Let's hope that we can that we can actually come and uh, and enjoy it for ourselves as well. Yeah, yeah. Andre, thank you very much for your time. Um, and yeah, let's let's hopefully speak again before the game. Yeah, of course. Thank you for uh, for the time, uh, Russell. And I hope also to. To come in London for the first match in March, if uh, that will be possible, and uh, keep in touch for the next time. Will do.
Huge thanks to Christopher Lash from Right Back Warsaw, Elton Cohia, Thomas Mortimer, Vincent Palares and Andrea Zoppis for all their contributions and time there. Hope it's given a small insight as to how they each perceive the draw and feel about facing England. Now hopefully we can catch up with each of them as the qualifiers come our way over this year. Now, one other piece of news since we last spoke was that Phil Neville appears to have agreed terms with David Beckham and Inter Miami about becoming the new man in charge, taking over from Diego Alonso after they finished 19th overall last season in the MLS. Although it has to be said that neither the FA or Inter Miami have confirmed it yet officially. Neville's contract with England and the Lionesses was due to finish at the end of July, with Serena Weigman replacing him in September. And he was, of course, due to take Team GB to the Tokyo Olympics. Of course, Neville and Beckham go way back, both with England and Manchester United. So it wouldn't surprise me if conversations have been had for a, uh, a period of time of late, maybe behind closed doors. If he does leave, then it'll mean that someone new would need to come in on an interim basis to take the team to Japan and have to pick those players from not just England, but from Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland as well. As I say, at the point of recording, this hasn't been confirmed officially yet. We'll leave it there for this episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. As I've said previously, I've had a few conversations with various England-related people for future episodes, and they'll all be coming your way over the next couple of months. And you can stay subscribed at your usual podcast provider of choice or at threelionspodcast.com. The show is also on all the usual social channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. Just hit the follow button. Uh, or if you'd like to get in touch in the good old-fashioned way, send me an email, threelinespodcast at gmail.com. So until the next time, as always, stay safe, look after yourselves and your families. If you're homeschooling like I am, remember, take a break for yourselves and the younger ones in your family. A little extra TV, never hurt anyone. Cheers. Cheers.